0: Turn with me to Hebrews chapter four. Last week, we left off right in the middle of an argument that the author of Hebrews is making that spans across Hebrews three and four. And it's an argument that he's making from the text of Psalm 95. And so what he's kind of doing here is taking it apart line by line, expositing, if if you know what that term means, uh, basically going verse by verse and explaining what this passage means with regards to us and Jesus Christ. One of the things that he kept echoing and drawing out and emphasizing about this psalm is the word TODAY. We hear it in chapter 3, verse 7. He says, today. Verse 13. Today. Verse 15. Today. And then twice today, we're going to hear it in verse 7 of chapter 4. Today. Today. And so the thing that the author of Hebrews is screaming to us from the Bible is this. Whatever he has to speak to us is relevant for us Today. As we think about the one-year anniversary of the pandemic passing this week, who can deny the relevance of today's topic? Rest. Rest. Striving for rest. Just this morning, I, I saw a cable news story on an article that was about Corona-somnia, which is the inability to fall asleep during the pandemic. Apparently, uh, pre-pandemic, about one-third of Americans struggled with insomnia, but now that the pandemic has come, that number has gone up to more than 45% of the American population is struggling to fall asleep at night. During a year when many of us have been forced to simplify our schedules and stay home more, you would think we would be getting more rest. But instead, as a nation, we have grown more restless. This morning, Hebrews 4 promises believers that we will find the rest we are so hungry for. And it shows us what it looks like for us as believers to strive to enter that rest. So if you've found Hebrews chapter 4, let's stand together as we honor the reading of God's word. and We trust that the words we have to hear today will give rest to our souls. We're going to pick up in chapter 4, verse 3, where we left off last week. And those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day today, saying through David so long afterward in the words already quoted today. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us, therefore, strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joint and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So ends the reading of God's word. You may be seated. I wonder whether this passage feels a bit like a letdown to you. What I mean is, if you were to ask the typical American, what eternal reward are you hoping for in heaven? How many typical Americans do you think would say, the number one thing I hope that I get is rest? I don't think you'd hear very many Americans saying that. Why is rest not considered a reward, something that we would really long for and hope to be given? And particularly as Americans, why don't we find rest rewarding? Well, there might be a few reasons. I think one of them is that as Americans, we tend to define ourselves by the work that we do. One of the first questions that we ask someone when we meet them at a party is, well, what do you do? Meaning, what kind of work are you in? What line of work do you do during the week? And many of us don't think we need rest. Many of us don't want rest. We work for the weekend, and what do we do? We work on the weekends too. Rising early to work. Staying up late to work. Going to sleep exhausted only planning and thinking about the work that we're going to do the moment the alarm goes off in the morning. We have a word for this kind of always working and never able to rest. Do you know what it is? Robert, you guys okay? You guys okay? Okay. Okay. We don't need to call an ambulance or anything, right? Okay, all right. You all be blessed. So as Americans, we are in this constant, non-stop working, working, sleeping only long enough so that we can get up to work again, never resting. And there's a word for this, always working and never able to rest. And the word is enslavement. That's slavery that you're describing. Always working never able to rest and we tell ourselves oh yeah but our work is a choice but does willingly choosing to be enslaved make it any less slavery no but i suspect that in moments like this sunday mornings where we are forced to quit working for at least 30 minutes to an hour And we pause from our tasks and our errands and our appointments and our work that the weariness has a time to set in. I see it. Half of you are falling asleep during the sermon every week. (laughs) It may be that I'm a terrible preacher, but I have a sneaking suspicion it's because you're tired. You need rest. We do need rest. How do we enter the rest that God has promised to us? What does it look like for us to actually do the command in verse 11? Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. What does that striving look like? What can we do? There are three things the passage holds out to us that characterize this striving for rest. Number one, we have to believe the word today we have to believe. Secondly, we have to obey the word today. Obey. And thirdly, submit to the word today. Believe, obey, and submit. Let's look at each of those briefly together. Number one, believe the word today. What does belief have to do with entering God's rest? Well, If you were here last week, and we'll do a refresher real quick, the reason why the people of Israel could not enter the rest of God is because of unbelief. Look at verse 19 of chapter 3. So we see, he's summing up his case here, so we see that they, that is the Israelites in the wilderness, were unable to enter because of what? Unbelief. Then doesn't it follow that if we want to enter the rest of God, we must believe? Striving for rest looks like believing the word today, and that's the point in verse 3. He says, Look, these unbelieving people they failed to enter in, they didn't have faith when they heard the word, they didn't believe it. But verse 3 For we who have believed enter the rest. It all hinges on belief. Do you believe the word today or do you not? Believers enter God's rest. So do you feel restless? Well, the possibility is the reason you feel so restless in your soul is that you are faithless. You don't believe. You hear the word of God and you do not trust that it will come to pass. You must believe in the God of the Bible because it is his rest you're trying to enter. That's the point the author is making over and over again in verse 3. Listen as it continues. As he said, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. This is mine. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, For for he is somewhere spoken on the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, and listen again, they shall not enter my rest. If you have kids or grandkids, you know that sometimes children can be really petty, especially when it comes to their possessions, because they don't often own very many things, but the things that they do own, they like to assert their ownership of whatever it is, some stick or toy or rock or bug, by saying, someone comes in and says, will you share that with me? No, it is mine. (laughs) It's the way a child asserts their possession. When you possess something, it is your prerogative to share or not to share that thing with other people. Rest is God's possession. He made rest. In the beginning, we don't think of it that way, but rest is a part of the creation week in Genesis chapter 2. This is what it tells us. On the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy. Because on it, God rested from all his work which he had done in creation. Did you hear what it said there? It says that God made this rest holy. That means he says, this is mine. This rest belongs to me. And what that means is God can choose to share his rest with whomever he chooses. And so the author of Hebrews is telling us that the ones who get to enter into this holy rest that God says belongs to me and I only share it with whomever I choose. The ones that get to enter in are the ones who choose to believe in god we must believe in the god of genesis the god who made the world in six days and on the seventh day rested the god who promised to fallen adam that one day he would send a savior we have to believe in the god of abraham isaac and jacob the god who brought his people out of slavery in egypt conquering pharaoh and all his armies parting the red sea We have to believe in the God who spoke face to face with the prophet Moses and gave Israel his perfect law. We have to believe in the God who sustained his people for 40 years, even though they disobeyed in the wilderness and finally brought them into the promised land, flowing with milk and honey, filled with houses they did not build, vineyards they did not plant. We have to believe in the God who gave his people a king. And made promises to that King David that one day one of his sons would sit on an eternal throne We have to believe in the God who constantly called his people out of disobedience to repent and trust in God. We have to believe in the God who sent his people into exile for their sins. The God who remained silent for 400 years. We have to believe in the God who then sent forth his Son to be the Savior of the world. You and I have to believe that God because it's His rest that we're striving to enter. It belongs to Him. We must also believe the word today that God will actually give us the rest He has promised to give. The problem with Old Testament Israel is that they just didn't believe God would do what He said He would do. They're in the wilderness, not believing. If God's really going to give us this rest, this promised land he's promised us, where is it? This doesn't look or feel like rest. And all the way through the wilderness, God is literally leading them in a pillar cloud of fire. At the front, Just, just follow me just a little bit further. We're going to the place of rest. Where is God taking us? Does he even know where he's going? We should be there by now. And then, And then when they're standing on the banks of the Jordan River and they're looking and they can actually with their physical eyes see the rest that God is promising. And God is saying, just go on in. Just go in. Here it is. I promised it and it's right there. Just go take it. Nope. I will not believe my eyes, God. I don't think you're going to give it to us. And God's saying, "It's, it's, it's right there. All you have to do is just... Go in and take it. And the people literally say, no, we don't believe you're going to give it to us. In fact, you know what? We'd rather go back to Egypt. I'd rather be enslaved than trust that you're going to give me the rest you said you'd give me. Brothers and sisters, this is the truth. Rest is a heart issue. Rest begins in the heart. Israel didn't think they needed rest. Ergo, Israel did not long for rest. In fact, they longed to return to slavery in Egypt rather than receive a gift God was giving them for free. That's a belief problem. Striving for rest starts with belief. Belief that God exists and that He rewards those who seek Him with rest. Believe the word today. Secondly, our passage this morning calls us to obey the word today. The news article I mentioned earlier goes on to list 10 reasons why people are struggling to find sleep and during the pandemic, including too much screen time, guilty, staying up too late, guilty, Hitting the snooze button too many times, guilty. Drinking too much before bed. Get, no, not that one. Um, spiritually speaking, there are reasons why we struggle for rest. Do you feel restless? Maybe it's because you are walking in disobedience. If you are living in sin and open disobedience to God's word, of course you can't find rest. And if you can, you ought to be fearful for your soul. It's God's grace for you when you are walking away from him for him to not grant you the rest that your soul needs. Your sin brings about consequences that fill your life with toil and misery. Your conscience is plagued with guilt. Sure, you may surround yourself with distractions and friends and online personalities that are all going to tell you that you're on the right path That you're not doing anything wrong. But when you're alone, you can't seem to shake the guilt. You know that your sin is slavery. Disobedience kills rest. Disobedience is the reason Israel could not enter God's rest. Verse 6. Since, therefore, it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Disobedience. The author of Hebrews is thinking of a particular disobedience in the life of the people of Israel. So it's the moment after God has conquered Pharaoh and all of his armies, after he's delivered Israel from 400 400 years of slavery. Can you imagine? He's part of the Red Sea, he's been patient with them in the wilderness, he's gently shepherded them, he's given them continual care and provision, and he brings them to the edge of the promised land, to give. and he gives them one simple command, and it's this, go in and take it. And the people said, no. In that moment, Numbers 14 tells us God swore in his wrath truly as I live and as the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Not one of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have put me to the test these 10 times and have not obeyed my voice. Not one of them shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers. The author of Hebrews says to us, we need to take care that we do not fall by the same sort of disobedience. We must strive to enter his rest. We must obey the word today. The problem, brothers and sisters, is that so often we would rather enjoy sin rather than the promised rest. Rest is something we have to strive for. Rest lies at the end of a long road of obedience, but sin is something we can have now. Gossip is fun now. Lust is fun now. Slander makes me feel powerful today. Lying rescues me from danger now. Stealing gets me what I want today. And the author of Hebrews says, yeah, Israel walked that same path of disobedience, and why do not you see where that led them? But the truth of the matter is brothers and sisters we know that the pathway of obedience grows weary as well. We can get tired doing what God calls us to do. We walk in obedience to God's word and it only seems to make our lives more difficult. We resist temptation we do what's right and it only seems to make more work for us. John Bunyan's the pilgrim's progress chronicles the journey of christian along the king's highway along the journey he encounters all kinds of dangers and distractions and temptations and enemies and at one particular leg of the journey he's joined by a character named by ends who tries to get them to turn aside and leave the path of obedience And the temptation in that moment for Christian and his companion, Hopeful, is so strong because at that point in the journey, they are weary and tired. But they refuse to fall away. We will go on, says little Christian. I don't think the king will forget us. He knows how tired we are, and he will be sure to give us rest. Soon. Strive to enter his rest. Let us obey his word today. Finally, thirdly, striving for rest means that we submit to the word today. Submit. Verse 11 is our main exhortation. This is the driving action. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. But then in verse 12, following this command, we're trying to obey. We want to strive for the rest. All of a sudden, we are abruptly confronted by a sword that's flashing in our way. Verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joint and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So we're striving to enter the rest of God. But as we journey down that path, we're confronted by this truth. Jesus, the word of God, is the guardian and the guarantee of God's rest. When the author of Hebrews is calling us to strive, we have to realize that that striving is directional. It is rest word it is heaven word it is christ word jesus christ the crucified and risen king will be standing at the end of the path he the very word of god is a double-edged sword that guards the entrance to the rest that for now he and the father share together alone The author of Hebrews mentions Joshua. We know the story of Joshua, hopefully. And <coughs> Moses tried to bring the people in. They disobeyed and spent 40 years in the wilderness waiting. But Joshua did march into the promised land and brought the people into some form of rest. But the question is, did Joshua then march into the presence of God himself and sit down? Only one man in the history of the world has joined God in resting from his work, and that one man is Jesus, the new Joshua. Hebrews 1, remember what it says there? After making purification for sins, he sat down. He rested at the right hand of the majesty on high. So Jesus has finished his work just as God did on the seventh day and Jesus gets to join the Father in his rest and he sits down and what the author of Hebrews is telling us is that God has made Jesus the gatekeeper of the rest that they share. If you're going to enter the rest of God, you have to pass by the word. We must submit to the word today. Verse 12 introduces a painful metaphor for the Word of God. I hate knives and swords and blade cuts. That kind of thing makes me almost want to pass out. This is a a painful metaphor. This sword is piercing, it's cutting, it's dividing soul and spirit. It's slicing between joint and marrow. It's so razor sharp that it can even separate the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. It enters into a man and it exposes all of his innermost parts and we are laid bare before it. And somehow, brothers and sisters, this is supposed to be comforting to us. (laughs) Somehow we're supposed to submit to this painful process and just trust that what's happening to us is actually for our good. That we have to let and submit to Jesus Christ slicing us up in order to enter his rest. The point here is that what we're submitting to is the word of God helping us to see what we cannot see in ourselves. I was at the doctor's office a couple weeks ago with my son Peter. And, you know, the doctor, they always have these gross posters on the wall that show injuries and the insides of people. I don't want to know about that stuff, but I'm looking at this chart and it's showing all of these kinds of orthopedic injuries. Fingers snapping, bones breaking, wrists cracking, knees coming out of joint, ankles breaking. And the diagrams have all of the skin removed because you can't see any of those injuries while the skin is on. Well, that's what the word of God does. It removes the surface where we've done everything to try to cover up the real problem and it cuts to the heart and exposes us to the real problem. The attitudes of our hearts, our motives, our false loves, our idolatries. All of the sins that lurk beneath the surface, if left unchecked, will prove to be the destruction of our very souls, will hinder us from striving for rest, and will prevent us ultimately from entering into it. And so this is the very thing we must submit to if we are going to hope to enter God's rest. We have to let the word pierce and cut and penetrate and divide. We have to trust that as painful as this process is, God is making us ready so that when we get to Jordan's stormy banks and we see our Joshua standing there, we're not afraid. We're ready to come in. We're ready to enter the rest. The very word we submit to today is the word that's going to greet us tomorrow. Jesus, is the guardian and guarantee of our rest so may we submit to his word today submission to the word means praying things like search me O god and know my heart try me and know my thoughts and see if there's any grievous way in me lead me in the way everlasting submission means receiving the rebuke and exhortation of our brothers and sisters when they come to us from the, with the word and we say, thank you because you're saving my soul. You're making me ready for the rest God has for me. Submitting to the word means that you know that when you come into church or you spend time reading God's word, that every time it's going to expose your sin and it's going to be painful, but you're going to be grateful for it. When it is exposed, you plan to turn from it, to plead for forgiveness, and to walk in obedience. Some of us avoid the preaching of God's word because the sword is too sharp. We don't want our sins to be exposed because when they are, we'll have to obey or suffer the consequences. Some of us avoid reading the Bible because it cuts. We find time for all kinds of other things, reading summer murder mysteries. We find time to listen to podcasts and to watch football games and Netflix. And we find time to have coffee with friends and time to do all kinds of fun things that do not cut us, that tell us what we want to hear, that entertain our little hearts. But we will not make time for the thing that cuts. And brothers and sisters, it's because we do not realize when the word cuts us, it is not to kill us, but to heal us. We have to submit to the word of God. The word is making us ready. The word is healing us so that we can strive even more. The word is preparing us today for when we will see him face to face tomorrow. The author of Hebrews is warning us that the rest of God is guarded by a sword even sharper than the one that flashed at the entrance of the Garden of Eden. When we reach our journey's end, all of our hearts will be laid bare on that day. Believe. Let us obey. Let us submit to the word today. The one who has entered his father's rest has promised, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, will I come not come again and take you to be my, with myself that where I am, there you may be also. Brothers and sisters, we will go on. I don't think the king will forget us. He knows how tired we are. And he will be sure to give us rest soon. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have finished your work on the cross. And our salvation is secure. We pray now, make us ready. Help us to believe to obey and to submit to you. We pray, don't make us wait too much longer, Lord. Come back to take us to be with you. Give us rest. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.